You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hi, everybody, and welcome to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco, and this is episode 296, dated Friday, February 10th, 2023. Before we continue, let me introduce our co-host, friend and colleague, Peter Alcho, who's praying for rain. Peter, hi, how are you? Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I am rooting for, I am praying for a Chiefs win. That's the, that's the more important thing these days. Uh, welcome to Columbia, Missouri. All right. Well, I hope, well, I'm picking the Eagles. I don't mind telling everybody that. So may the best team win. Well, okay. So before we continue, let me thank people who make it possible for In Perspective to be aired. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer, who edits our shows real nicely. Thank you, Ray. I also want to thank Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place. They post our shows on greeting door number 15 on that chat line. I also want to thank the media outlets for airing the show when they do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, Jacqueline Sylvia of JS Web Solutions. She archives our programs on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Go there. Go down until you see In Perspective Podcasts. Click on those, and you will see our archives from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. And I also want to say hi to three people who faithfully listen to our show. The first one is Tim Cummings, who works at Perkins Solutions at Perkins School for the Blind. They sell products there. Tim listens, along with Lillian Johnson and Glenn Grimes. Hi to all of you. We have back again, and he's, he's getting to be a mainstay on this program, Robert Sollers. He wears many hats. Robert, it's always a pleasure to have you back on our show. This time it's about your new book, which is called... Between Two and Other Tales of Love and Romance. I have a question first after I welcome you. Welcome, Robert. How you doing? Good. Now, how did you, how did you select Between Two and Other? What does that mean, Robert? Well, Between Two is the main story in the book. Um, it actually, I was told by Leonard that it could probably be a separate novella all by itself because it runs like 62 pages. But, uh, but there was all, all the other stories that I wanted to, uh, combine into one book of different types of romance and rom- uh, love stories and such. So I did. And you told me off the show that this is not your typical love and romance book. No. It no. is definitely not your typical love and romance stories. I thought I would get the listeners curious after that. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> the type to write Harlequin style love and romance stories. No, you're probably not. And, and, and maybe to explain why, Robert, for folks who maybe are not familiar with who you are, can you give us sort of a cliff notes version of your, of your life, uh, and sort of uh, how you got to the point to write, uh, short stories about love and romance? Well, I've always been interested in writing fiction for a long, long time, but, uh, I've been in security and customer service for 40 years at this point. And that's basically where everything started out was in writing security articles and the two books I wrote on security 
uh, school violence and workplace violence prevention. And I wrote one on customer service, um, which is definitely unconventional. And I had a, I wrote a short story for my writing class at the Blind Center. And that developed into my first novel, Legend of Three, book one, The Rise of Mar Paconia. And then, of course, I wrote Evil Does as Evil Is, which was a collection of, you could say, horror stories, because it does create horror in some people. And it's not the psychological stuff you get with like Frankenstein and Dracula. It's, it's a, it's in between Frankenstein and Dracula and Friday the 13th. How's that? All one and the same as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Well, <laughs> and then of course, you know, somebody, namely my wife, wanted me to write a love story. And I did that about six, seven years ago. And it's just developed since then that, you know, I, wasn't really sure about writing love stories because that's not the my typical genre, but I started writing them and a lot of the stories in the book, this book, just they turned out that way. I had I had the dream about wanting to write this story about this subject and these people and it just developed into, you know, stories about love and romance. So, so I, want, I want to go back to your prior book, which we interviewed you on before, Evil Does as Evil Is. I think it's, uh, if I have that right. Uh-huh. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of gruesome stuff. There's a lot of things that go haywire. There's lots of violence and so on and so forth in that book. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yes, it is. And so uh, I took, picked up between Stories. It's, it's all about, you know, love after all. We all know what love is. But what I found, there was, there was some overlap between the two, between the two books. Does, do, you, do you find some similarities between those two sets of stories? In some ways, yes. Um, the title story of the horror collection, Evil Does as Evil Is, it kind of starts out like a love story. But obviously it doesn't end that way. It ends with a psych, the guy having a psychotic break after all the delusion, delusions and hallucinations. And there's other, there's stories in this collection that you could, that start out not necessarily so nice and, but then turn out to be love and romance. And there's one story in there that turns out that, uh, it starts out bad and it ends bad for the protagonist. Yeah. So. You know, and, and also there is, uh, at least some, uh, supernatural stuff in both series, which I found kind of interesting, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's not the, it, you know, there, there are, there are, there is a science fiction component to some of your love stories and there's some science fiction component, I think, to your, uh, in some of your evil stories as well. This is um, true too. Yeah. Yeah. I just was sort of, I was sort of interested because there was, uh, it just struck me. That there was some sort of overlap between topics that you would expect, you know, sort of gothic horror or, or you know, horror <laughs> a lot, and 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 love. You know, the two of them are not totally different. I mean, that no, they not through. necessarily. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about um, sort of uh, sort of the themes of between two. First of all, talk a little bit about. Uh, your novella, as as Leonor uh, calls it, what what is talk about between two? What what is what is that about? Well, it starts out in the year twenty one twelve with a colony on Mars. It's a mining colony because they're mining stuff for Earth and all that stuff. 
but it has expanded out in the hundred years or so that it's been there. It's got its own red light district where there's tons of bars and prostitutes and all that kind of stuff. And then you get the main focus of the of the uh, colony, which is the the uh, office buildings and the housing for the miners and this and that and something else. Uh, it starts out with one of the executives of the mining company doing all of his paperwork and this and that. And he gets called downstairs to see one of his friends who happens to be a short uh, English guy. And he's just curling up his fence and everything ready to smack the security guy because the security guy has a beef with him because he stole his girlfriend. <laughs> and it just progresses on. Um, the protagonist, Timothy, meets an android, but he doesn't know she's an android because she looks human. She's a former Martian martial arts expert and champion. And he doesn't find out she's an, uh, a cyborg or an android, however you want to put it, until her father comes over and sits down. And he's also an android. And come to find out that these androids were created basically for war, for Earth to go to war against other uh, planets or whatever. And... Um, Timothy has been burned by androids when he was on when he was living here on Earth, and he takes off and starts walking, and not uh, wanting to get away to think things through. And he didn't doesn't think he could actually love an android. He comes to find out that he does love the android, and he just as he's turning around to go back to tell her that, uh, he gets assaulted by one of the denizens of the slum area, but she comes in, saves him and his friend and his girl, his friend's girlfriend pick him up in an old rattle car and they all zoom out of there. And then his friend and his girlfriend, who also happens to be a prostitute and android, they take off to move to earth, back to earth and Timothy and his girlfriend stay there on Mars. So. I, uh, I'm just gonna make a little joke here, uh, Robert. You mean there's still gonna be brick and mortar in 2112? And to a certain extent we will, yeah. Especially if we're, you know, colonizing like Mars or, um, you know, one of the other planets. It, there'll probably be more brick and mortar stuff there. Especially if the elements and the materials are there to be brick and mortar. So, Robert, I, I was intrigued uh a number of things but one of them was sort of a series of stories at the end of the book that sort of felt like almost another novella they didn't didn't quite work that way and that all has to do with uh people and time machines and a cat talk about the importance of of a of, of a cat in, in 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 your series that yeah the um i believe it's called the conversation and that's, that's the last one yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, the, um, there's an older gentleman and his cat and he talks to his cat and the cat talks back to him. And basically, it's a matter that, uh, excuse me for a minute. Me. Oh, excuse me. Whoever has that jaws, can you please shut the speech off? Insert space and, and, and the letter S, please shut that off. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Robert. 
okay. No, that's okay. And it's just, it's a matter that he has to downsize in order to save money. And the cat doesn't want to move as cats are want to do. Cats don't like, they like their habits. They don't like to change. And it just goes on throughout the story of him talking to his cat and trying to talk the cat and saying, it's going to be okay. You know, we'll move. We're going to be together. So on and so forth. So, so uh, people, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, so I was going to say, so, uh, these stories aren't just, uh, between, uh, love, uh, and, and other humans or love and androids. They're love and cats, right? Uh, Absolutely. uh, at least a cat, but, but there's a, a series of stories. It's sort of toward the end that loosely, uh, work around sort of a time machine kind of thing. People, uh, go back to try to change things for the better. Yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes some of those stories have cats. You know, in, in, in the story where one person lives alone and the cat's the only comfort for, 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 for the person. Uh, mm-hmm. and the cat sometimes gets, gets, gets misplaced, uh, affection and the cats get, doesn't like it sometimes. And so, right. uh, so talk, talk a little about the, about the, the series about time machines and how that, how that works. And I don't know who that person is with, with the jaws on, but it is sort please, of annoying. Please shut the jaws it's, off. It's going to have to be, um, one of, Sorry to put people on the spot, but it's one of the participants that's unmuted. Which well, is they have to the be muted. Us. We have to yeah, mute it, them, right? Yeah. It's, it, um, go, go ahead, Robert. No, I was going to say one story about time travel that I have in there is saving Sonia, and it's loosely based on a real life event that I've Go ahead, so, Robert. And then there's the other one. Um, I think it's called Out of Time. I can't remember the exact title of it. Where a guy goes back in or goes back in time because he's he was getting ready to die for whatever reason. And he wants to get back with the girlfriend that he had back in high school that he insulted. And she's had a bad marriage and so on. And she has a cat that, you know, and if you know anything about cats, you know that they get miffed really easy when they get interrupted. With their, with the human that they own. So. And then there's another one where, uh, 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 a person's living alone and, uh, uh, the cat serves to protect him and all of a sudden becomes this mammoth creature when, uh, yep. some guys come in and try to steal things. I just found it interesting that you had, there are lots of cats in, at, at, toward the end of the book. All, a lot of your stories have cats in different guises. Oh, um, yeah. What, well, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you have a cat? I mean, what, what oh, you, yes, I do. I've had cats for all of my 62 years. Ah. Uh, Either and, my cat or so owned by somebody in, or I should say were owned by some, you know, somebody else in the family or whatever. But, uh, and actually my, uh, the cat that I have now, my frisky, frolicky, furry feline, uh, her and I will sit down and we'll have a conversation and we understand each other. She doesn't actually talk, of course. She only meows, but I, you know, she understands me when I talk and I can understand her most of the time. What's her name? Princess General Jasmine Squeaker's Long Hair Sollers. What? <laughs> Princess General, because she is Chief of Cat Fleet Operations and Security. Jasmine Squeaker's is her nickname, Long Hair Sollers. And as I recall, the, 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 the cat name in the stories, there's a series of cats and they're all named Jasmine. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm sure the cat is, is the, what does the cat think of that? 
She says that she keeps telling me it's only her due that she gets recognized. Well, yeah, that's that makes sense. You know, cats tend to be that way. They they think they rule the universe. That's uh, right. Cats, cats very and, independent. Cats and standard poodles are the same way, and 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 some guide dogs are the same way too. But we won't we won't talk about that. Um, there, no, guide dogs are part of the evil canine empire. Keep that in mind. Well, <laughs> but, but yes, and there and there are some dogs who think that uh, cats should be should be uh, chased and generally uh, uh, harassed because they're right. Can't, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but there are, as I remember, there are no dogs in, in this book. It's, it's only that one cat, the, the, the jasmine cat. You're right. Yeah. I, I, mainly, again, mainly because, you know, that's, I've had cats all my life. I've had dogs and I've loved those dogs as much as I did my cats, but it just seems that cats just seem to pop up every time I want to write a story in one way or another. Like uh, the one out of time, I believe it was, where the guy goes back in time to get his girlfriend back. Uh, her cat is right there, you know, and that's uh, it just gets missed because, well, she gets startled to the point where she pees on the floor when she gets out of bed, still in her uniform. And he just gets miffed off at that. You know, cats get that way sometimes. Yeah, cat, cats are very interesting creatures. They, they are definitely. So, um, Robert, we are headed toward Valentine's Day on Tuesday. And I'm sure you've given this a lot of thought, given that you've written this series of short stories on love. What do you think love is? Love is when you have an affection for someone or somebody. Oh, excuse me. And you can't live without them, no matter what. And whether that is person that you're physically attracted to and or married, girlfriend, whatever. I think there's more to the definition, Robert. I think also you should talk about love as being a a way that you sacrifice, make sacrifices for uh, whomever it is that you're in love with or just love unconditionally you're right and that that it doesn't have to be a romantic love or it doesn't or or part of a committed relationship i mean and that's uh, the idea of some of the stories with cats in it shows love between the cat and their human uh, you know that the human cares so much about their cat they're willing to sacrifice themselves like the one uh with the uh, 10 year old kid who runs into a burning house just to save the cat there's also, exactly. there's also, there's also in your book, uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, sort of remorse, right? That the, the person does something terrible to the one that yep. primarily he loves. And, um, sometimes the, sometimes remorse pays off and sometimes it doesn't. You're right. Yeah. And you know, talk about that. That, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just talk about that. I, it, Cause I thought that was interesting. It's a, it is sort of a common theme in, in your stories in yeah. many cases where, you know, the person does something terrible, uh, and then tries to, tries to make amends and sometimes is able to and sometimes is not. Right. The one story that, um, has a starts out bad and ends bad in this is a man who basically blows up at his girlfriend because he doesn't have any cigarettes left. And he stormed out. He goes out to get more cigarettes and when he comes back, she's gone. And he 
knows that he loves her and he knows that he can't live without her. So he takes off and across the, uh, down the highway to try and find her. She took the only car they had because they shared it. And he starts walking and he gets to a gas station a couple of miles away on the main highway. And he asks about her and they said she took off towards the west. So he just starts walking down the highway and it gets cold. It's in Kansas. So, and it's in December. So it's cold and rainy and snowy and, you know, he eats whatever he can, you know, out of the garbage can sometimes. And he finally catches up with her where she's working as a waitress. And while she still loves him, she can't handle what he would, you know, the, all the yelling and everything. And she says she's not coming back. So he turns around and starts walking back towards uh, Elwood, Kansas, which if anybody knows anything about the Midwest, Elwood, Kansas is just to the west of St. Joseph, Missouri. And uh, he starts walking back towards Elwood, back towards the east. And because of the freezing rain and sleet, he slips off the highway, off the uh, siding, and falls into a puddle of water, which is obviously ice cold. And he ends up drowning the, right there, right there. So. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, he couldn't, he couldn't handle the loss of his one and only love. And right. there's lots of, lots of one and only loves in, in your story. Um, and, and that one is, was particularly sort of sad, but there are some that, that there are quite a few that actually end up a little better, you know, where a person makes a mistake, uh, and was able to, uh, you know, uh, recover so to speak and get back yeah. to, to the one and then there there are, are and talk about sort of unusual stories then there there are there are those stories where where um uh, uh, uh usually a woman's lover uh gets killed uh and uh in, in some some horrible way and comes back to save the the woman you know when 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 she's attacked uh, later on in the story as a ghost uh, which I thought yeah. was kind of interesting take on the theme of of love after death or something, right? Um, yeah, yeah, basically, because yeah. you know, a lot of, we all promise the people we love that we're going to take care of them, and even after we die, we're going to do our best to come back and help protect them if anything goes wrong or something you know happens to them, and that's what uh, this story was about: is the guy who gets murdered by a um, person, a father, and, you know, he tells his uh, then wife that he loves her. And then later, obviously, uh, somebody breaks into the house and threatens her. And he comes back and just basically beats the holy out of the out of the uh, burglar or whatever he was. And then try and and then it says when when the woman says to the uh, uh, to the uh, person who saved her, uh, you know, I love you, and he says, I can't talk, I you know, go away. I mean, you know, I I have to go back, but I'll love you forever. Right. And then there's and then there's the one where uh, 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 he uh, she dies, and he goes out to get cigarettes, uh, and she meets him and says, okay, I'm gonna I'm here to to. Uh, Help you come over to the other side, I think is the way. And so they walk off into, uh, right. you know, uh, so well, another scene that I'm sorry, go ahead, Robert. No, I was going to say that is, uh, uh, forever my love, I believe it was. And yeah, he, yeah. um, 
going out to get a what they called a dreamer's cappuccino to help him fall asleep. And um, most of us have grown up in the 70s, and that's why his apartment number is H7. Because if you'll remember the song back in 77, I believe, Heaven on the Seventh Floor. Paul Nicholas. I never would have made that connection, but you're right. That's Well, uh, I mean, yeah, not many people have, but, you know, that's okay. That's, yeah, uh, writer's prerogative. It's a good song, too. Uh, so I want to go, um, so, uh, I was curious about your take on, uh, often there are blind people involved with, in these stories. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. Uh, the one story that I have that is definitely the longest one of the, of the, uh, group with that in there is called blind man vortex. And there's a blind guy who goes out for his morning walk and he starts getting sick as he comes around the corner, the final corner to get back to the house, and he passes out. And when he finally wakes up, this you know, and he does this in the pre-dawn hours. He wakes up, it's been the sun's up, so it's been like two or three hours you've been laying there. He goes into the house and he goes back to the bedroom where his wife is sleeping and he gets down on the bed and she jumps up and is ready to, you know, kick his sorry butt because he's you know, she doesn't know who he is. And then finally she recognizes him and truth be known then that he's been gone for seven, seven years and her new boyfriend who is extremely abusive in all ways, financially, physically, and so on, uh, is about ready to have him declared dead so that they, they can get married. And then after that, then you go on into the fact of him, them trying to reverse time. So that the boyfriend, the new boyfriend isn't there anymore and they can live happily ever after. And the boyfriend comes back into the house and shoots and kills one of their best friends who happens to be a professor at um, the local university and is trying to turn the pistol on the protagonist. When the wife comes around the corner and he laughs at her because she's pointing a, a firearm at him. And he doesn't think she'll kill him because she needs him too much. But she does. She kills the bad guy, the boy, bad boyfriend. And then she basically shoves her husband out the door to retrace his steps and maybe to reverse everything that's going on. And there are, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say there's lots of science fiction in this series, in, in this, in this series of short stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had a love of science fiction and fantasy for a, a number of years. I, I you know, I, I'm in love with Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, Tales of the Dark Side, you know, all those types of anthology series from the 50s on up into the early 90s. And to be honest, that's where a lot of these stories come from because you never know what they're going to, how they're going to turn out when you start, when they start. Star Wars, Close Encounters. That too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like, I probably like Close Encounters more than I did Star Wars, but I actually, and I like Star Trek even better. Um, City on the Edge of Forever in the original Star Trek series was one, is my favorite episode of all time. So, which, you know, he, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy go back in time to try and stop, uh, Edith Keeler from, 
stopping America from getting into World War II, which enables the Nazis to take over the world. So, and then she dies. So after all these stories, and there are quite a few of them, uh, some are longer than others, some are, you know, short. What is the main sort of takeaway that you have uh, that, that sort of, what, what do you hope, what do you, what, what is, what is your major theme or what is your major sort of realization after writing all this stuff or that, that sort of guided you in writing all these stories? Well, it, it basically that love and romance comes in so many different ways. You know, you've got, like you mentioned earlier, Peter, I didn't espouse on, but love of a human, where the cat turns into a bigger cat to protect her human when somebody breaks into the house and then one of the guys stabs him. Well, she turns into from a small house cat, domesticated house cat, to like a bobcat and takes out both of the, both of the burglars. And then, you know, like saving Sonia, the guy goes back in time to save his first love and his girlfriend from dying of cancer only to see her get uh, killed while they're going over to be tested for her uh, prosthetic leg because she had lost her leg. Uh, which, uh, again, like I say, that has some real life basis to at least most of it. Um, but it's just basically that love is not all picture perfect and romance isn't, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. And, and I'm sure all of us know that too, but there's some of the stories of love and romance you read out there that they make it sound like that, you know, when, um, what was his name? Fabio was on the cover of all the Harlequin novels 30 years ago. You know, everybody was, was just fawning over, uh, this handsome guy and yeah, how he was, you know, save the girl and this and that. And something else. So, um, I had a thought, which I, which I lost. Yeah. So, yeah. And well, one of the things, and Bob, you alluded to this as well. Love, love isn't just, uh, you know, romance. It's often sacrifice and sometimes the sacrifice works well and sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes you, you do what, what, what you think is best and sometimes it doesn't quite work the way you, you hoped it would. Um, and there are some of that in, in the series as well. Uh, you know, love is sacrifice. Love can, um, make you a better person. I remember I'm thinking about that Huey Lewis song that came out a thousand years ago, The Power of Love. Uh, you know, uh, you know, from Back like, to the Future, which yeah, is a connection yeah, but, to Robert's novel. That's true, or, or, or set, of sorts, set of short stories. Try to say that uh, three or four <laughs> or five times without. Um, yeah, Robert, you you were um, uh, you mentioned this prosthetic leg uh, huh? a while back, and I'd forgotten, but you, but you had that uh, experience, right? You 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 lost half. Of your, I think you have half your leg. Is that is that right? You yeah, to- I had a I had a below below the knee amputation last summer, uh, but to be honest, I had written uh, Saving Sonia long before I knew I was going to lose my paw. Uh, I had my best friend and my basically my first love, who if I hadn't been so stupid, I could she would have been my first wife, and she died forty three years ago at this point. 42, 42 years ago, 1980. She was one week shy of her 19th birthday. And she lost her leg to cancer and then it just metastasized everywhere. And that was basically the impetus. I was thinking that, you know, what would happen if I could go back in time 
with a magic potion that would save her, you know, get rid of the cancer and everything. So well, that's right. There, there, yeah, there, there is that story. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Where person goes back to try to save the person from cancer. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't fully work out as I remember in that story. Uh, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't um, yeah. They're walking, they, they're together in um, Minot, North Dakota, and they're walking across the street in the middle of winter so she can be fitted for a prosthetic leg and, um, or whatever. And there's a car that comes down and the streets are slick and it can't stop and it hits both of them. It kills her and sends him into a basically back through the time warp, as it were, to end up back at home. And then as he's thinking about what had happened and how it didn't work, he falls and hits his head on the toilet, and he ends up dying that way. And, so, it, you know, and that, so that was a, that was one of the things that sort of struck me about the, uh, the, the comparison of the evil series, because as you, as you said, some of the things in the evil series, may them end badly. And some of the things in the love series end, end badly as well. And I yeah. think there are a couple of evils in the evil series that end up fairly well. I mean, it, 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 you know, evil is also complicated sometimes. It, you're right. It is. It, 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 it is it, you know, Venetian is one of those in the uh, evil does as evil is. Um, because he's, you know, he was created to be evil and to only eat the flesh of others, but he gives this young girl that he meets here in the Phoenix area gives her a ride back home because she's been stranded by an older man who only wanted sex from her. And he gives her a ride and doesn't even, you know, just gives her fatherly advice. Obviously, he's attracted to her, but he drops her off at home, and that's the end of it, for for her anyway. I mean, Uh, Robert, before we invite our participants to ask you questions about your book, could you please tell us where we can find it? Uh, it's at, uh, you can go up on Amazon and look for my name, obviously, Robert D. Sollers, or you can go to uh, www.dldbooks.com slash Robert D. Sollers slash, and that'll give you all the information on all six of my books, as well as a uh, button that you can hit that where you can purchase. Takes you up to Amazon where you can purchase. And this one is called Between Two. And other tales of love and romance. Yes, sir. All right. And and before we go any further, Robert, it's Robert D as in David, correct? Yes, sir. I prefer David over my real middle name, but that's well. We 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 will go there. And Solars (laughs) is S O L L A R S, correct? Yes, sir. It's just like dollars, only with an S instead of the D. So give this guy lots of dollars by buying his book. Yeah. How about that? We got a new organization, Dollars for Sollers. Yeah, Dollars for Sollers. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, yeah, so let's let's open it up. Ray, so, Ray, uh, uh, who do we have uh, in waiting? Do we have we any have, hands raised? Yes, we do. Jane, you are up first. Good afternoon, Jane. Welcome. Jane. This is In Perspective. My name is no, Peter Olson, and, and that's Bob Branco. Uh, and Jane, you're fun. Okay, Jane, can you hear Jane. me now? Yeah, yes, we can. Yeah. All right. So I looked at the title of today's broadcast, and I have to say, go Chiefs. It's totally inaccurate for this conversation, but I had to put it in there. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm done with that part. 
Are your books, and I haven't listened to your whole broadcast, I'm sorry, and do you prefer to go by Robert? Yes, please. I will. Um, are your books out on BARD or in, through NLS at all yet? You know, I have submitted all six of my books to Bookshare and all those, and I never get a response back or I've got back. It's not, you know, it's not their type of book or whatever the case may be. I understand. I'm a devil of a time getting them up there. All right. I understand that. Um, uh, that's all I wanted to ask. I, okay. I have a, I have some books I would really recommend that share the conflict of love that can go good or go bad or do well or not so well or struggle. But I really uh, wish I had heard more of your conversation. And I will keep looking for your books. Um, you know, there's always hope since Peter's new book is finally out where I can read it. Yay. Then there's room for others, too, and we just have to keep after it. So that's what we'll do. Yep. I, I, I am frankly surprised, Robert, that uh, Bookshare has not been uh, hospitable to you because they're usually pretty good about things like this. Um, that's what I've heard. But, yeah. I mean, like, Jane Cardo has left go me. ahead. No, uh, go ahead. I, I, I just because that was the for me when I got my books out, I put them on Bookshare was the easy part, uh, uh, comparatively easy. Um so I don't know what to tell you except uh keep trying because uh there's no reason why they shouldn't put those books up. They're they're uh, you know they have they have lots of books up there. Some of them are frankly awful. Uh and yours is not <laughs> yours is not awful. So, you know, that it's, I appreciate it's, that Peter. Thank it, you. It, it 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 should it should be up there. Uh thank you Jane. Thanks um, Jane. All right. Next up is phone number uh area code 215 I believe ending in phone number ending in 125. That's Philadelphia. Hi, Robert. It's Sally Rosenthal. Oh, hey, I Sally. Just wondered. Sally Hi. from Philadelphia. Did you yeah. Write, yeah. Did you write these books all together? Um, did you write these stories all together and then plan to have a book of stories, or did you write them over a period of time and then notice a specific theme? Actually, Sally, I started writing them, I believe it was back in 2012. Uh, I was, I'm a, was a part of a creative writing class at the uh, Blind Center here in Phoenix. And um, I, it's just, you know, you wrote the story every week, you know, based on whatever the theme was. And this these stories came about, and some of them I wrote on my own without being in class, like Between Two and Saving Sonia and everything. But it's just a matter I had them all collected. So last summer I went, you know, just like what evil does, I went through and I started uh, correcting them, editing them, revising them to make sure, you know, make sure they flowed well enough, obviously. And I put them all together and, you know, that's it. It, it, it took, like I say, what, 10 years to put this one together, to, you know, so. And evil does is probably only about eight years, but still. Sometimes it takes a while. Like, no, like I, I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Sally, Sally's question reminds me of a question I was going to ask you, which is how, what we, how did you sort of structure the book? That is, how did you know which story was going to go first and how, uh, and, and, and last? Did, uh, how, how did you, how did you, uh, sort of think through that? Well, the first story in the book is a letter home to mama. And it's the satisfied version for all you city folk out there who don't know how to talk hillbilly. And uh, it's 
it is a love story, but it's a, it's a humorous love story with, uh, like I say, with a guy from Skunk Holler and, uh, a girl he meets that's just for over the ridge from where he lives. And then the, you know, the, the conversation, I believe, is the last one. And it's just, you know, I just intermixed them all. There was no way, if I put them in the way that the computer had them, they would have all been in alphabetical order. And that's not exactly what I want, how I wanted to put them in there. So there was no, uh, it was, there's, I, I, cause I, I couldn't, I was trying to think through how I would have structured them and I, I, I couldn't find, uh, sort of a, 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 a thread that led one story into another, I guess is what no. I was trying to see. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, uh, Sally. Uh, Ray. Thanks, Robert. Next sure, up no problem, is. Sally. Thanks, Sally. Next up is Musi, and then it will be, uh, Annie. Musi. Yes. When yeah, you got, that was, that's quite a hook when you said hillbilly, cause I'm a hillbilly, and uh, I love cats, so I'm, yeah. I'm ready for your books. There you but go. I, huh? There, well, there you go. I'm a hillbilly from the hills of Missouri. <laughs> I, I want two things. I want to, you should have titled it Valentine's Day on Mars. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to tell you that it is not science fiction. I know several women that talk to their dead husbands and get messages from them. I mean, it's a real thing with a lot of women, and I don't know about men, but I just wanted to tell you, science fiction can be close to the truth. Oh, I, I can I agree with that because being so honest, do I. I'm, a, I'm extremely intuitive when it comes to of seeing and talking to people that have passed or uh-huh. people that are long distances away. Right. Um, you know, I've got a friend that lives in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And just like when my wife and I were dating way back when, um, we said, we, you know, one of us would say something and the other one would finish it or we send messages and nobody's talking. Right. We hear each other in our head. And I've heard my, uh, well, what would have been my first wife, uh, Jody, you know, the one that died 40 odd years ago. I hear her talking to me sometimes. Wow. Okay. Uh, Robert, question for you. Have you ever read Sylvia Brown? No, I have not. You know who she is, right? Yes, I do. She does a lot of referencing. She does a lot of referencing to uh, people talking to spirits. He does. And I've even seen, you know, I've even seen my former pets, um, when right after I went blind, uh, the, my favorite dog, my best friend, he came to see me. And I, back when I was a little kid, one of my cats I seen walking mm-hmm. up the hallway and obviously he wasn't there because he'd been gone for a while. So yeah. No, Thank you. There is some truth to that. Thank you, Misha, for, for reminding us of that. Sure. I, 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 I'm reminded of, of, you know, uh, the whole issue in my book about thoughts and feelings and elephants and so on and so forth. And it's, it's from that feelings channel that sometimes these spirits get channeled to us when we need it. There's somehow they're there to, to hopefully support us. Yep. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot of that in your stories. Uh, thank you, Misha. Annie. Hey, everybody. Annie, you are next. Hi, Annie. Uh, hey, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So, well, now I'm going to comment on three things. All right. So, um, Carl Jung, 
um, used to refer to that spirit connection um, as the collective unconscious. There you go, Annie. Thank okay. you for that. Uh, number two, Isaac Asimov has a quote that says, uh, today's science fiction is tomorrow's science. You're right. Uh, I believe that. Totally. I'm like a big sci-fi fan. I've been so since I was 12. Um, but Robert, uh, I haven't read your book, but I, I have read a couple of the stories from that book over, um, over one of the, um, the writers groups, you know, yeah. with the, yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, congratulations. Anytime a new book comes out, it's like, yay, have a party. <laughs> you and I are in competition, by the way, because you're on book number six. And I'm on book number five. So. Well, let's put it, I, I'm, three of my books are nonfiction. So, you know, I, I still got to do to catch up with you. With the, oh, so. they, they, they still count. And Annie, yeah, they Annie, still Annie, count. That's right. Annie, your, your books are also, uh, many of them are nonfiction as well. I mean, you, yeah, several, that's right. Uh, you know, so it's, your books aren't only fiction, you know, that's uh, correct. Remember. So you, uh, you're, you're, you're not so, so yeah, so I'm just teasing about that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, but what yeah. I really want to know, my question is, you mentioned writing classes, uh-huh. and I want to know, you know, what you learned from them, how you got into it, do you plan on doing any more? Because I really think that some people that might be listening that, you know, don't know kind of like what to do to improve their writing, what would you say to them? Well, actually, this wasn't my class. It was it was the center's class that they started. I was just a participant. I did lead it a couple of times when the actual uh, person that did lead it was gone. But um, basically, Lillian Johnson, write Lillian what Johnson. you write what you feel. You obviously you're a part. We're a part of the same group, so you read some of the poetry I put up there. Right. And my poetry does not rhyme. It doesn't go in with any standard uh, parameters. For poetry, I write what I feel, and my stories are the same way. I write what the actually I write mainly what the characters tell me to write. Yeah, and that's that to me. That's the key. You write what your characters tell you to write, or with poetry, you put on paper what you are feeling at the time, and that's all there is to it. Now, again, I'm not going to dismiss anybody else's poetry if they put it in stanza and rhymes because that's you know. But as far as story writing goes, the fiction stuff, like I say, most of my stories I dream. I have very vivid dreams. And almost every single story that I, I've written uh, from the, my novel to the two short story collections, they've all come from my dreams in one way or another. I, I want to expand on Annie's question uh, because I think it's, interesting, it's an interesting one. So what did you, you know, how did those writing classes that you took as a member, not as a leader, but as a member, mm-hmm. how do they, how do they, how do they strengthen your writing? To be honest, it was just a matter that I wanted my stories or whatever to be the best that it could possibly be for the class. And I had experience writing, so I had to make them better than what other people's were. <laughs> because I, you know, I've been an experienced writer with nonfiction stuff for so long. They expected more out of me than just, um, you know, basically writing as a hack. And that's all there is. I, I have, I push myself to the absolute outer limit, as it were, on, on everything I do. Uh, the physical therapist I had was always, you know, upset because I kept pushing myself, uh, you know, walking with the leg and all that. And, uh, it's just a matter, you know, I, I push myself. And I'll go, I'm, 
the type of person that when I revise and rewrite something, I can do it ad nauseum until I turn it into a piece of junk if I keep doing it. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta know when to stop. And that's, that's probably been one of the hardest things that I've had to learn is knowing when to stop editing and revising. You know, Robert, your, 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 uh, take of, of class and, uh, you know, uh, as sort of a competition or co- with your, with yourself, perhaps, or, uh, I mm-hmm. never really viewed that. I never really viewed it that way because, you know, we as writers are, are not supposed to be influenced by other people. We're supposed to be above it all and we're supposed to be craftsmen and we don't, you know, you know, all the stuff we sort of have in our heads about writers, uh, writing. And what I, what I realized in thinking about your comment is that one writing class that I took, uh, uh, I sort of felt, uh, inferior because, uh, I was the only person who was not in a PhD level course. You know, I, I got yeah. in sort of a, I, I, as a fluke. And I remember thinking, I can't write the way these folks do and, and, and survive. So I tried to write in a totally different style, just totally right. the reverse. And that's, that's how, that's how I, in, in a perverse way, that's how I found my, the way I write. Mm-hmm. By, by writing in exactly the opposite way, the way is that everybody, everybody else was writing. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's quirky. It probably is not the, the, the way traditional writers are supposed to learn to write, but that's sort of what happened to me. Well, I, you know, as long as to, it works for you, Peter, you know, right. exactly. Yeah. It's weird. We, it's, it's, I, you know, we, uh, we were supposed to critique everybody's work as after the story was done. And, uh, you know, I had people asking me questions long after class was over, even a couple of days after class. Well, what could I have done better here? What do I do about copyright? What do I, you know, how do all these questions? And, you know, so, and I, cause I never considered myself above anybody else. Never. I was always wanting to help everybody else make their stuff better. Obviously there were a couple of people that refused to make their stuff better, but I can't help them. <laughs> that was their, that was their problem, not mine. Ray, uh, any other hands raised? And we have about eight minutes. Not to go. at this time. Okay. If anybody does have questions uh, over the next eight minutes, please raise your hand, and Ray will will uh, will let me know. Uh, Absolutely. As he always he always does. He's very good at it. Um. <clears throat> so, Robert, I was curious. Uh, the question I was going to ask you before, um, you 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 talked about. Actually, we got a hand raised. I'm sorry, oh, Peter. That's okay. Uh, Let's Beth go for it. Mexico. Beth. Hello, Beth. Yeah, I was yes. going to ask, uh, Robert, where can we get your books? If we can get them on Bookshare or Bard or um, any place like that. Unfortunately, no. Um, I was explaining, you know, I've tried getting them up on Bookshare. I've tried getting them on Bard, but either I don't get any answer back or they never received it or it's not appropriate. Right. They have a waiting list, I heard, though. Yeah, oh, a book share. Yeah. No, but no, but bar, bar, bar is, is, a, is, it takes a long time. I just got my book yeah. up there. Bookshare is a very quick process. Right. I'm, right. I, That's I, why I was asking him if we can't get them in those places, because I heard that he said that. Where, where can we get them? Um, you can go up onto Amazon and look for my name, or you can go to dldbooks.com backslash Robert D. Sollers slash and uh, that'll put you in with a, you see all the book designs, 
cover designs, I should say, uh, if that helps. And then a synopsis of each of the books. And then there's a uh, purchasing link off to the side of that that'll take you to Amazon where you can purchase it. Ebook. Oh, D- DLZbooks.com? DLZbooks.com. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. And I love science fiction. I I think I would enjoy those very much. And I'm, I agree with you. Um, because there's several members of my family and, and, um, I had a, a partner also that, uh, that I lost that, uh, I think they do, uh, I receive messages from. I believe in that strongly, Beth. Yeah, sometimes it's very subtle, but there's other times. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I've been woke up because uh, when my wife was in the hospital, I heard her calling my name. I've heard my first love calling my name. I've heard my friend in Mm -hmm. Boston calling my name, and I've been sound asleep, and I know they're not here. (laughs) So, yeah. Exactly. And you know that they're not dreams, right, Robert? Yeah, I know they're not dreams, no. I mean, if I can, if I hear Jody's voice and it's just the same as I remember it 42 years ago, that's not a dream. Or as far as that goes, Leona's voice, my friend in Boston, in the Boston area, uh, that's not a dream. Or I hear Eileen's voice, you know, saying something to me. I know that's not a dream. So. Yeah, that's very true. Thank, thank you, Beth. Thanks, um, Beth. Thank you. Robert, I was curious about something. Uh, sure. you, you, and, and in a prior show, and you, and you, and you alluded it, uh, to it, uh, earlier in this show, uh, about your experience, uh, you know, losing your part of your leg and getting a prosthetic mm-hmm. and all the challenges that were involved and, uh, you know, the support you got, the support you didn't get and all that. How has that influenced your writing, do you think? It hasn't. Okay. I mean, <laughs> being honest, Peter, it hasn't. I still write the same way. And I was, um, you know, things just come to me the way they are. The characters talk to me and I sit down and I write it. I mean, I, I, if, if I am influenced by any of it, it's maybe to put more of a disabled person into the roles that I write, mm-hmm. but not always. No, I, 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 maybe that it's, 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 it's influencing you. I know for me, you, you I write stuff and I don't see the connection until, yeah. you know, six months or a year or two years down the road. And that may happen with you or it may not, you know, uh, it doesn't True. need to. Uh, what, what are you, what are you working on now? Actually, I'm working on a whole bunch. I've got another short, two short story collections and a book of poetry, um, that I'm working on. You're a busy uh, young man. Well, I, I try. Plus, my, I write my blogs for my for the website, security website. But the first book, short story collection, is is um, cats, 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 and more cats. It's all everything in there is all is about cats. Simple as you know. And then, like I say, I've got the uh, the poetry book, which has sections in there for my wife, for Jody, for Lunar. Leona, sorry, the person who lives in the Boston area. And then it's got all kinds of other poems in there about, uh, I've tentatively, tentatively written, um, titled it Love and the Abyss. 
because you have love. And then if you're disappointed or, you know, you're feeling depressed, you're in the abyss. So, and I've already started on the second edition of that one, uh, 15 poems. But I've also got another short story collection in the works, too. But that this one's going to be a little bit different than the others, because this is going to be several stories that are basically graphic sex in them. And of course, there's a couple, there's one in there that's got graphic violence in it too. I'm writing a sequel to, um, Craving, which was the one with Venetian in the horror story. I've got one that details his origins to become the flesh eating creature that he is from back before, you know, two, three thousand years ago. We have about 30 seconds left, Robert. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So one more time, please. Where do we get between two and other tales of love and romance. The easiest way to do it is go up to dldbooks.com slash Robert D. Sollers slash, and that'll put you up to my webpage on their website. And like I say, there's buying links off to the side for all six of my books, three nonfiction, three fiction. All right. Well, thanks once again, Robert. And like I say to all of the other authors, especially even though I'm an author myself, we all are on the same page, no pun intended about this thing, which is we all have to work very hard to do what we love to do. And, and uh, this is a great thing that we all do is to write, whether it's books or poetry or whatever else we want to write about. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Thank next you, Bob. Week, I appreciate it. You too, Peter. And go Chiefs! Go Chiefs. Next week on In Perspective, we're going to be featuring Don Wardlow. He's a blind Baseball announcer. Yes, they do have blind baseball announcers. So Don is going to be talking about his career as a blind announcer. That's next week on In Perspective. In the meantime, I want to thank everybody for taking part today. Ray, Peter, Robert, our participants. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great day. Meow. 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 Oh. That's our guest, big bunny. <laughs>